Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, coming to you from the front bedroom of a house on the Gold Coast, where my family and I are grabbing a couple of weeks of rest and recovery. A great story for you this week from Spain, and it's a tale about following your dreams and living your best life. But first, as always, this is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago. The Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe, mainly Spain. Pilgrims walk to the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, where the remains of Jesus Christ's apostles St. James are interred in a crypt beneath the cathedral. The Camino is famous all over the world, famous for its life-changing energy, its ability to provide respite from the daily grind. I just want to talk about my last few weeks here. I work in the news in Australia. I'm executive producer of one of the top podcasts in Australia. It's called The Briefing. We hit the ground running in 2022 with COVID-19 and the Omicron outbreak, hundreds of thousands of Australians, including me, being struck down by the pandemic. Then, just weeks later, war broke out in the Ukraine, something I never imagined in my lifetime. Then, the east coast of Australia, where I live, has been smashed by a freak weather pattern called a rain bomb. If you've ever been to Sydney, you'd know Sydney Harbour, the body of water where you'll find the Sydney Opera House and Sydney Harbour Bridge. It's a massive body of water. It's enormous. Well, one of the areas along the coast of Australia here received the equivalent of eight Sydney Harbours worth of rain in three days. Thousands are left homeless and communities are now cut off, people without a single possession. It's been heartbreaking. And then on Saturday, we woke to the news that Shane Warne had died of a heart attack. He was a cricketer, an enormous personality on the Australian landscape. Everybody loved Warney because everyone wanted to be Warney. Mick Jagger once said if he was to be anyone else in the world, it would be Shane Warne. I think Elton John said exactly the same thing. He was, without doubt, the best spin bowler in history. If you're not familiar with cricket, he spins the ball as he bowls it. It floats and dips in the air and then turns sharply when it hits the ground. Shane Warne was a magician. What he could do with the ball was just astonishing. And Australians loved him. He lived life to the full and died suddenly the weekend before last, holidaying in Thailand. He had a heart attack. He was 52. I guess the only thing that could kill off a pandemic was a war. The only thing that would move war off the front pages was a rain bomb. And the only thing that could take the floods to page three was the death of Shane Warne. I tell you, it's been a frantic start to the year in news. That's why I'm taking a couple of weeks leave. Oh, I long for the Camino and the lingering Spanish afternoon sun beaming in from the horizon, talking to pilgrims from around the world, sharing and caring and listening and hearing, taking time for time's sake, making time for your sake, your future, your Camino of life. My last week has made me think of the quote from the actor James Dean, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. My guests this week dreamed big and continue to dream big. When I finished my interview with Johnny Walker Santiago two weeks ago, I soon after received a note from John to say, Dan, you should interview my friends. He wrote, Kelly is a wonderful, wonderful woman and the goodness shines from our husband, Jeff. 
He was talking about Kelly and Jeff Field Dara. They're on the line from Spain. Welcome, pilgrims. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm delighted to talk to you, actually, because it's a really great yarn. Kelly, I'll start with you. Now, this is a big question. Tell us in a nutshell how you came, the both of you, to be talking to me from Spain. <laughs> it's a bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to uh, encapsulate it. Um, we, I walked in 2017, I walked uh, the Camino with our daughter. Um, she was 15 at the time. And uh, obviously, you know, the Camino, it's, it changes your whole life. It changes your whole perspective. Um, and, you know, once you reach Santiago, you're never the same again. That's just, that's just the truth. So I went home and, uh, and Jeff could see that everything had changed. Um, and, you know, he was, he was as excited about the transformation in me, um, as I was. And he said, you know what, maybe we should think about moving to Spain. And, and six months later, we landed in Valencia initially, um, with four suitcases on a very rainy, cold night during Fias and, uh, started this, this journey we've been on for the last four years. Wow. So Jeff, uh, have you two always been big dreamers? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's there's conventional wisdom and then there's us. I mean, if there's an adventure to be had, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> I suspect there's more to it than that, Jeff. But I'll let you, I'll let that question go through, as we say in cricket terms, as we talk about Shane Warne, through to the keeper. Kelly, so... When you talked about your you, you, the Camino in 2017, why was it so special? How and why did it become this watermark moment in your life? Well, I think, you know, when you walk the Camino, um, it sort of mirrors your life. Um, and I felt like there were these sort of distinct stages of the walk. And, and you know, the first seven days I would, I would, uh, describe as the trail of tears you know you're just physically emotionally mm. mentally stressed you're in pain um you are questioning what you know craziness struck you that made you come do this thing um and then you begin you know you meet other pilgrims and you begin sharing stories and and you get stronger um physically and mentally and emotionally and 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 I felt like by the time I got to um, the Meseta, um, so Burgos, um, I, I was pretty strong, you know, and and I felt like I had regained um, something that I had that was missing in my life, um, my day to day sort of grind back in the U.S. And climbing mountains was no longer, um, you know, something to be afraid of. Um, I could do anything. And I felt, you know, that last from Saria to Santiago, I just felt like I, I could have run it, you know, mm. um, I was, I was walking, you know, six inches above the ground. So it was, it was uh, the right thing for me at the right time. Um, I was 50 and I was wondering what was next for me in my life. And, and I think the Camino provided that clarity. Wow. Jeff, 
I want to go back to you. You're an ex-US Air Force crew chief. I imagine you're used to discipline and order. You're stepping right outside your comfort zone here. What did you make? What did you make of Kelly's transformation when she came back? Oh, I was very happy. I was. It was. We're, I don't think you've mentioned this, but we're we're uh, Americans. Yeah. Lived in Arizona, and so we just we we thought that there had to be something better out there. So Spain was a, a big leap, but we thought if not then why you know when so so we did it and yeah you're right it is i am i do like order i do like uh predictability yeah and all that and but i also i i do a lot of it or i used to do a lot of adventure sports where you take you know you take risks you 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 figure out what's acceptable acceptable to you and you you take risks and this i felt was an acceptable risk to move to another country. Worst case, we end up moving back to to the United States, but that's not going to happen now. We've been here for four <laughs> years, and and we absolutely love it. So, did you sell up in Arizona? Um, I'm going to say yes, we did. We wow the, the house the house that we're in now is a little smaller, but we don't have kids with us anymore. So sure. the Wow. We, we 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 got rid of all of our everything we had. We we showed up with just like Kelly said, but just four suitcases. We sold Goodness. our cars, our house, everything, and brought four suitcases with us and completely started over. But we have much more now, even though uh, I, we have we have much more now. Uh, more how do I say this? It, we're more content now than we were when we were in the U.S. Yeah. So we're much more fulfilled. Our lives are more f- fulfilled. That's fabulous. Yeah. So when you mentioned that, Jeff, um, we just feel so incredibly lucky. I read on your website, you said that you've been lucky all your life. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have married a wonderful woman. <laughs> so that's, I mean, I, yeah, that's pretty lucky. Um, that's pretty lucky. <laughs> I, I, I tend to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So throughout my career, I've worked in a number of high, highly skilled uh, positions at, at very large companies. And I seem to always be in the right place at the right time. Um, even doing sports, I've, I've successfully avoided getting uh, seriously injured or, or killed, whatever, when a number of uh, people I've known have, have suffered injuries and stuff. So I, I feel like I've been lucky because I've been doing the same sort of things that other people have done, but somehow I've avoided the downfalls of, or the pitfalls of some of those activities. There you go. How fantastic. So Kelly, um, here we are. We're talking about uh, 2017. You walked the Camino de Santiago. It changes your life. Uh, now, 2022, you and and Jeff are telling me you've been there for four years. So you were here mm-hmm. six months later. You've got a handful of suitcases on the side of the road, freezing cold night. And now let's move to today. Tell us about the Happiness Cafe. <laughs> Well, um, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, we, we purchased this farm uh, last year in 2021 um, and moved here uh, May 1st of 2021. And uh, when we moved, uh, you know, there it was still COVID and people, you know, very few pilgrims were walking by mm-hmm. our front gate, which could, could, because we were right on the Camino Frances. And then fast forward to July and, you know, the, it, 
in June, it sort of started picking up in July, just the hordes started coming. I mean, just crowds and crowds of people. We were awakened every morning to the clicking of poles on the, on the pavement and, and singing and, and the like. And, um, and then we were reading in the news, I was reading in the news one morning that pilgrims, because of the, of the COVID restrictions and the fact that albergues could only be open 30% of um, capacity, um, pilgrims were sleeping on the street in Puerto Marin and, and Palace and, and uh, they couldn't find beds. You know, there were thousands of people walking by each day and there just wasn't enough capacity for them. So we, Jeff woke up, um, I told them the story. We went, we drove into Lugo, which is about 40 kilometers away and bought at a, at a sporting goods store, bought uh, some tents and we set them up. And we opened our gate, put Jeff put a sign on the gate. We opened our gates and said, come in. And, and we started uh, hosting, uh, you know, bedless pilgrims for the night, um, wow. for the summer. And uh, people, people loved it. Um, they uh, were so grateful. We didn't charge anybody anything. I cooked, um, I cooked dinners and I cooked breakfasts and wow. Jeff made coffees and, and we just, we fed people and we gave them a place to sleep and for free. And, yeah. and, uh, and it was fantastic. And we loved it. And people pitched their t- your own tents in our yard. And, wow. and then, and then we just thought, you know, um, what, what kind of business could we potentially do and, uh, and that would support pilgrims and uh, also support us. So we, um, the happiness cafe was born out of that. We're opening a food truck um, this, this June. Wow. So just take a step back there. Like you said, what did local authorities say about you opening your, your garden to, to, to camping pilgrims? I'll let Uh Jeff take that. (laughs) We were visited by the Guardia Seville and wanted to know what the heck we were doing. But we had gone and we did our homework before we did all this. We went to the Cancelo in Palace de Rey and asked if there was any permits or licenses we needed to do this. And they said, as long as you're not charging any money, it's your own property. You can do with whatever you want. Mm. So when the Guardia Civil showed up and, and was asking about it, that's the story I told them. And they kind of said, you're really not charging any money. And I said, no. And they sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, okay, very good. And they went on their way. So that was it. <laughs> so when you talk about um, going to local authorities and, and the local community and opening the gate and letting people camp inside, I sort of picture this. And during COVID, I imagine it was very much the case that it was just the two of you living in, in that house. And in, in inside that house, it's very much an American house. Yet... Outside, you're very much a part of a Spanish community. So how have you, Kelly, you might answer this. How have you merged yourself into that Spanish community? And are you mindful of not being too insular in what you're doing and, and trying to continue to, to sort of merge into that wider community? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think the Spanish community came to us. Um, oh, wow. we, we, yeah, we were here. Um, if you know anything about Galicia, Galicia is very, um, I would say, um, it, it is all about community. It's all about helping each other. 
Um, that's my, that's our experience. Um, uh, within five days of moving here, our, our moving trucks pulled up and, um, and we were shocked to learn that our entire house still had all the, the previous owner's furniture in it. So when we bought the house, they gave us all their furniture and we had two, two moving trucks from Valencia full of furniture. So about five days after, um, luckily we have a barn. So about five days after we moved here, um, there was a knock at the door and a short little uh, woman in an apron uh, was talking to me in Spanish. And uh, my Spanish is, I, I understand a lot, but I, my, my spoken Spanish is, is still evolving. And uh, we, we muddled through with Google Translate and she's our next door neighbor, Marie Carmen. And she saw the trucks and she said, do you want all of the furniture that's in that house? And we said, no. And she said, I will take it. And we were happy to have her do so. So she um, she came with a truck and had some men and they loaded it all up. And that was the beginning of our relationship with Marie Carmen um, and, her, and the other neighbors on the street. Um, she brings us vegetables all the time. Um, she's, mm. she supplied all of our potatoes for the winter. Mm. Um, we, we still are linguistically challenged with each other, but at Christmas we went and sat in her kitchen with her family. And, um, I, the, the town has embraced us and people of Malide have embraced us. Um, uh, we bought our tractor. What did, what did they say, Jeff? We're now locals because <laughs> we have a tractor. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> We're, we're known throughout the town as the Americans. And, and since there's only the two of us, we really do stand out. But the whole town knows who we are. Um, the, within the first week of being here, we walked into town. It's like a five-kilometer walk. We had dinner, and we were going to take a taxi home. And we got into the taxi, and I tried to tell the taxi driver where our, where our address was. And he told us, it doesn't matter. We know where you live. <laughs> and he drove us home without having to tell him. That's so great. So tell us exactly where you are, Jeff. Um, we're at the, uh, if you're on the Camino Santiago uh, on the Francis route, we're at kilometer marker 59. The marker is right outside of our gate. So we're exactly halfway between Saria and Santiago. Wow. Oh, I know exactly where you are. So uh, perhaps I'll stay with you, Jeff. Are there plans for an albergue eventually? There are, we're, well, not an albergue per se, but um, along with the campground area, um, we're going to start building two-person cabins so oh. that people have a more individual, um, individualized experience. So you're not stay, sleeping with a bunch of strangers. You could rent a small little cabin um, for up to two people in each one. And it's a little more COVID-proof, easier to clean, easier to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um and they're all be solar powered. We're we're very eco friendly here, so everything's solar powered, and uh, you'll have you know the water heaters and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's that's our plan for this coming summer and next fall. Kelly, is it difficult for foreigners to own and run a business in Spain? And I suppose the extended question um, in relation to that is: Do you have a lawyer or a uh, uh, some sort of business associate or or advisor in Spain who's helping you negotiate and navigate all of this co- sort of complicated procedure. Um, yes, we have a jester. Um, basically, he's our accountant. Right. Um, he's a, he's a quasi. He's sort of a cross between a lawyer and an, an accountant. Right. Uh, he does our tax, our taxes and all of that. He he arranged 
for our business license um, because we will be charging in this enterprise. We we opened an actual business in Spain now, um, and he made arrangements for all of that, the paperwork, um, then found us a notaria. Um, it's interesting here. Um, everything as in such a small town is very integrated. So our insurance agent um, speaks to our banker, our jester speaks to our banker. They speak to them about us. Um, everybody's working together on our behalf, which is sort of different than what you would see in the United States. Those people would never talk to each other yeah. because of privacy, but there's sort of this village thing that goes on here that everybody takes care of you. So, um, so we have all of that and, and, uh, and everything takes so much longer than it would ever take, um, in our experience in the U S I mean, it, if, if, if it's supposed to take a week, uh, it'll take eight. Um, you know, we, they also know our builder, um, who's, who's doing all the construction, um, and they've helped us negotiate, uh, the prices of that, um, because they're locals and we're not. And, um, so there's just sort of this, that we feel like the community to kind of wrap their arms around us. Um, and they know that what we're doing is, um, something will be a value add to the community, um, potentially hiring people. Um, the one, the one thing that we did hear, um, from someone was, you have to be careful because you might be taking business away from people downstream. Yeah. Uh, and we, so we're, we were very mindful of that. Um, what, what we're serving and the experience that we're providing is like nothing else you can get downstream. Um, and in many cases, you know, very few people on the Camino, um, provide it. So we, we're not, we're not feeling like we're copying the menu down, down the street in Okoto. And, uh, we're just scooping up those, those pilgrims that would have normally, um, spent their money down downstream. So, um, hopefully, hopefully there's, there's enough pilgrims to go around for, for everyone. Jeff, how much research did you do in the U S before heading to Spain? And I suppose in terms of the percentage of the whole, I guess, I guess process, how much paperwork, et cetera, has now been done after you arrived? What could you do a lot before you headed to Spain? Um, well, we okay, so as far as research is concerned, Kelly took care of all the research. But uh, as far as I, I had never been to Spain before we moved here. So when what? I stepped off the plane, wait, 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 cases, wait a second, that wait. was the first time I'd ever been to Spain. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. You went without ever being there before. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's insane. That's so fantastic. That's the best part of the story so far. <laughs> so it was truly a leap of faith. I just, uh, that, yeah. That is- I mean, I, we've, we've, we have lived in many different places um, all over the U.S. And I've traveled all over the world, but I had never been to Spain. That is a genuine and- leap of faith, a real leap of faith. That's what that, exactly what that is. So the worst case, we would it would cost us a little bit of money, and we'd end up moving back to the United States. So I was willing to take that risk. So wow, that's yeah, good as for you. As far as research, research, I wish I had done more research before moving here because I made some costly errors. I shipped my motorcycle from the U.S. to here, only to learn that I was going to have difficulty getting it licensed and also getting my driver's license 
um, endorsement for the size of motorcycle I had, I wouldn't have been able to ride a motorcycle for three years. So I ended up shipping it back to the United States to sell it. Um, but everything else, um, no regrets. It's a lot, lot of, lot of paperwork here, but no regrets. What a wonderful human being you are, because that's amazing that you're, you've just said to Kelly, yeah, it's okay. Let's do it. Having never been there. That's incredible. That's incredible. I, that's the best part of this story so far. All right. Now, um, I've been doing a bit of research on your website, which is wonderful, by the way. It's a really great, the, the blogs are fabulous. And it's, there's some actually some really handy information for anybody who's thinking of doing what you do or what you've done. Um, because I know that there are friends of mine in Australia who have thought about opening an albergue. Indeed, I may have even thought about it from time to time. <laughs> but there's something that you and I both perhaps have in common. And Kelly, Kelly, you might talk about this. There's plans for a podcast. Yes. Um, we would love to um, to have pilgrims tell their story while mm. they're walking. Um, we last summer when we when we had our sort of pop-up campground albergue, um, with tents, <laughs> um, we, you know, we sat around in the evenings and, and spoke to folks uh, over a meal and, and over coffee. And it was just, we were so moved by um, people's stories. It was, it was incredible um, the things they'd been through and, and what had brought them to the, to our gate. Um, and I, I wish I could have captured uh, those stories um, somehow um just perseverance and 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 you know grief and 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 you know kind of coming to a place of joy um all of them had found that on the camino and and uh i think it's an interesting place where our, our house is positioned because we're only three days from santiago and we and and it, it, at our house we only got long haulers so folks that had at least started in saint john and before Lapui or, mm. or some other route and um, further on in France and, and, uh, and even in Belgium, we had mm. someone start from Belgium. So they've really spent a lot of time and, and, uh, and had a lot of, um, you know, moments of reflection. And I felt like a podcast is a great way for people to be able to kind of tell their story and perhaps, you know, make sense of it on their own at this point, just three days from Santiago. It's a wonderful idea, a wonderful, wonderful idea, uh, because so many people, as you know, as you both know, when you meet pilgrims, they're willing to talk. They want mm -hmm. to talk and they want to meet someone who wants to listen. So mm -hmm. being on the Camino and giving people an opportunity to tell their story, I think is a wonderful idea. That's a great idea. And if you need any help, setting it up or, or, or letting people know what you're doing, I'd be more than happy to help. I, I will take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd be happy yeah. to help you. Kelly, I was reading the blog and you say you're a big believer in having a roadmap. Mm. But a roadmap is one thing. This massive journey you are on is an entirely different thing. How does one navigate such a massive life change? Uh, one thing at a time. <laughs> that's ready. That's, right. that's really, it. you know, I think that I hear, uh, you know, I read, uh, different blogs and, and, uh, 
and we subscribe to different forums online and, yeah. and you hear a lot of people say you can't move to Spain or there's too much this, or there's too much that. And, mm. and, um, and, and I think it's because they look at it in there as this just massive mountain to climb. And, yeah. and I'm not saying it isn't a mountain to climb, but just like on the Camino, you don't climb a mountain all at once. You do it one, sure. you put one foot in front of the other. And, and if you, if you looked at everything we've had to do to get to the place where we are today, um, and, and, and you said, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to do that. Well, you could do that, but you would, you would do it one day at a time. You would do it one, you would take it one thing at a time. And, and that's what we do. We pretty much like Jeff said, we like going to the Cancelo, you know, how do we do this? We are constantly talking to people about, mm in the community, especially about our, our concerns or something that we're trying to do. And, and we, and they, they sort of pull together and help us. And, and it's just this one thing at a time. Mm. And, and it's, that's what propels us forward. Um, I don't try to do, I don't try to do everything. I don't look at my list and just, you know, melt from the enormity of it. I just take the next thing. Yeah. You said, on the blog uh, about moving to Spain and uh, you write about the hurdles that you've had to clear, some of the hoops you've had to jump through. Jeff, mm -hmm. what do you think has been most difficult for you? <laughs> Learning Spanish. <laughs> All right. I work for a United States, or I work for a Spanish company or a, a Spanish office of a United States company. And I deal with Americans all day long. So I still work. I work remotely. Right. But when I, but after, you know, outside of work hours, I'm in, in town here and I haven't been as immersed in the Spanish culture as, as Kelly has. So that's probably the biggest challenge for me is just communication with the locals. Yeah. But as long as you make an effort, everybody else seems to make an effort coming back towards you too. So somehow you, we, we meet in the middle and, and we're able to exchange ideas and communicate. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Kelly? What have you found most challenging, do you think? Um, I would say I'm the canary in the coal mine. So everything that we do, like Jeff said, he we ha he has a job. Um, everything that, that we need to accomplish from taxes to driver's licenses to business licenses, any anything we need to do, I'm the person who kind of goes out and figures out how to do that, which means that I'm the one uh, stumbling and falling and making the mistakes. And, and, uh, and then Jeff sort of, um, you know, he's in my wake after I've said, okay, don't do these 10 things. We'll, you know, here's the form, here's the pictures you have to have taken the, the appointment and we just go. And so um, that's been probably the most challenging is, sometimes even just figuring out who to talk to, who can tell me how to get something done. Um, and, and it always, like I said before, it always takes longer than you would think it would take, but there's this tremendous um, sense of relief that you have when you accomplish something. I'm always like, woohoo, you know, I, <laughs> I, I got a driver's license, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So there's the upside. Okay. We've talked about Spain and we've talked about this wonderful journey that you're on, the extraordinary journey you're about to undertake in the next few weeks, months, years ahead. But 
there's also a little journey behind you that I'd like to touch on. And Kelly, you wrote on the blog, over the course of my life, I've always written stories on cocktail Mm. napkins, the backs of menus while traveling for work. I was a storyteller before I found my voice as a writer. And I finally decided to turn it into something. Let's see where it goes. So this is the blog. And, and, and as I say, it's a great resource, not only for learning about your collective story, but also about your future plans and what have you. But I want to take a step back. Tell us about the Red Rhino. <laughs> the Red Rhino. Uh, that is a collection of short stories that I, I wrote um, years ago, golly, more than a decade ago. Right. Um, and they're, they're all about, uh, just sort of funny stories that, uh, that from raising kids and, and just our lives, uh, (laughs) trying to sort of hang on by our fingernails at times and just, just silliness. But, um, I started writing them down and, and, uh, so they're, they're out there. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I've written since the, since the Camino, I, I've written a novel. Um, and then there's two more, um, in the works actually. So, um, so we'll see. I'm querying. What's the novel called that you've written since the Camino? Um, it's called, uh, it's called The Grief of Goodbye. Yeah, well, that and was my next question. I didn't realize that that was more recent. I thought that was before Red Rhino. So tell us about no. Great Grief of Goodbye. Grief of Goodbye is about um, about a woman who is um, gets a, a terminal cancer diagnosis, basically. And uh, she, um, at the same time, she finds out that her daughter is is uh, doing drugs and and uh, drinking all the liquor in the in the liquor cabinet. Um, and she uh, realizes she's not going to be around uh, for very long, and so she she kind of swings for the fences and and quits her job and and with the support of her husband, and she she takes her daughter to Spain to walk the Camino, and uh, to try to to change the course of her daughter's life because she's concerned she won't be around to to see that through, and uh, the stories about walking, you know, what happens to the two of them when they walk and people they meet and, and, uh, and sort of, uh, it's really kind of a story of redemption. So, yeah. Hmm. And then there's, uh, I've got another, another, um, book, which is actually why I named the happiness cafe, the happiness cafe. Um, and the book is called the happiness cafe. And it's about, it's about a, a woman who takes in, um, Syrian refugees. Um, and, uh, and it's a, it's a story about, um, what that's all about adjustment and how she, she assumes she's helping them. But in the end, she finds that, that it's really them that she needed all along. So yeah, it's it's them helping her. Yes, indeed. (laughs) That's a common narrative. I love that narrative. That's fabulous. All right. Well, goodness, you're busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And both of you have been such incredible achievers. Jeff, I, I only have a handful of, of, of questions to go, but I guess I'll ask you a pretty simple question, really, but ha- perhaps the, the answer is more difficult than I imagine. What have you learned about yourselves in the move to Spain? 
That's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I'm definitely learning that I wasn't as patient as I thought I was, but I'm becoming more patient. Mm. <laughs> um, what, I, I don't know. What else have I, I... What have you learned about Kelly since you've arrived in Spain? She can do anything. I already knew she could do anything, but this just reinforces that she can do anything. <laughs> it was funny when Kelly said before, I'm in charge of, you know, getting the photos for the for getting a driver's licenses. And I was thinking, oh, that must be such a nightmare doing all of that admin. But Kelly, you do that stuff, right? You get it done. Yeah, I get it done. Yeah. And I think part, partially it's because I'm not afraid of making a complete fool of myself, which I do and every time I undertake anything. So um, I, yeah. I, I know that in Valencia, I had a reputation of, of, uh, of being that person. Um, and absolutely here in, in Lugo and, and uh, in Malide, they, Jeff says they, they, they know you, they see you coming. So, yeah. When you say see you coming, Jeff, can I ask you, did you see this coming, this life? Um, I knew it was going to be, when I, when I met Kelly and I knew we were going to be together, I knew that it was going to be an interesting life and a fulfilling life. I didn't quite see Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did not see this coming. I, if you had asked me in 20, uh, 2017, if we were living in Spain, I would have said, are you kidding me? I had never even considered that, but... So, no, a lot of this I did not see coming, but I'm very happy that it did. Wow, good for you. That's awesome. Kelly, you leave this week for Puente de Lorena to finish the Camino you started last fall, as Americans say, Australians say autumn, after injuring your knee. So tell us about that journey. And you might just tell us as well, why is it important to finish it? It's not just a part of the walk. Um. Well, so first I, I, uh, I injured my knee coming down into Roncesvalles. Um, and then as I, I am known for, I did not listen to that and kept going, um, and made it all the way to, uh, Puente Lorena, um, before I realized my knee was in, 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 not in a good place. Um, and that it was part of the journey to stop, um, again, not, not part of my nature. So, going back and, um, and finishing it, I, I am, I'm a finisher. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just who I am. And so it sort of has been nagging at me and hanging over me that I, that I didn't finish it. Um, and it, this will be my third Camino, but, but I, I also, the whole point of walking last fall, um, we had COVID in 20, 2020 and, and, uh, and I was really sick and, and had been, uh, had lingering problems, uh, for a long time. Um, and so walking a Camino, I feel like is, is very important for me. I think emotionally to prove to myself that physically I'm kind of back in and back in strong. I know that opening the, the cafe and opening the, the cabins and the, and the campground are going to require, um, you know, a lot of physical work. And, uh, and I feel like this Camino is about sort of kicking that off. Mm, mm. So Good on you. Yeah. Well, just a quick question. Will you charge for the cabins? 
The cabins we will charge for, sure. um, uh, but the camping uh, we won't. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. How will yeah. you fund it though? If you're, if you're feeding all those people every night. Well, we're going to charge for the, for the pilgrim meal. We will charge for that, but we right. won't charge for the actual pitching your tent here. That, that will always be free. Um, but, um, you know, I have a business plan and, and it, it's still, we're still fine if we don't charge for camping. So. Oh, I see. Okay. So you can, you can charge for a meal, but you can't charge for accommodation. Oh, we have. Um, so we're we're getting a license actually for okay. from, right. from the from mm-hmm. the turismo and the okay. and the patrimonio. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, please, we cleared that up. Okay, yeah. Jeff. Uh, what's next? Simple question. Come on. What's next? <laughs> we need to finish building everything. Building the bathrooms. Building the cabins. That's pretty much what this summer is about. Is construction. Hmm construction okay so who's going to answer this final question tell us a camino story tell us a camino story you 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 sent me that i was like oh my goodness um i guess i'll tell it um uh, uh you know i'll tell a story from um from when you and i walked i guess um, we, we, uh, walked together in 2019 in October of 2019 and Jeff had never walked before. Um, and, and I was very, um, I obviously had been experienced and I knew what to expect and he really, and he didn't know what to expect as he took, he'd taken the leap of faith, um, in, in moving to Spain, obviously having never been here before. Um, he'd been a good sport about all that. Um, but he never really understood, uh, what the Camino was really about kind of the heart and soul of the Camino. Mm. And, uh, I remember we were walking from, uh, we got to Saria and, and walked to Puerto Marin and that day, um, was as rainy as today, which is, you know, just gallons of water seemed to be falling from the sky. And, uh, we, we'd walked for Jeff's a pretty, um, introverted kind of solitary person and and uh so we'd walked for a long time without speaking and uh and I looked over and he's just absolutely drenched and I thought oh my gosh like he's (laughs) never gonna want to do this again and uh and I said uh you know and and that the water was beating down and it was it was splashing up from the ground so hard up into your face so it was raining from below mm. and I looked over and I said, I said, so what do you think? You ever want to walk the Camino again? And he looked over and he had the biggest smile on his face. The, the biggest smile I had seen since we'd moved to Spain the year before. And he said, yeah, I could do this for 30 days. And I thought, okay, you know, he gets it now. So that's so great. Well, yeah. look, congratulations to you both for having the courage to pack up your lives, to move to another country, and for having the courage to dream. And thank you both for taking the time to talk to me today. I I can't wait to visit you once you're up and running. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I'm, I'm certain we can all um, follow your journey. I'm going to give my listeners the, the website address after we finish. But in the meantime, thanks again, Kelly. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and... 
As always, thanks Johnny Walker Santiago for introducing <laughs> us to each other. He's so wonderful. We love him. Uh, and until the day I cross your hearth and 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 come and say hello, buen camino. My guests this week, Kelly and Jeff Field Dara. You can find them via their blog and website, Viva España Moving to Spain.com. Remember the quote from the actor James Dean Dream as if you'll live forever, live as if you'll die today. Continue to dream big, pilgrims, and I'll catch you next week. Until then, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way.